What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Unstable Duo Podcast. I am your man, Justin, joined as always as our man, Forrest. Today, we're going to have a good conversation. What's the up? Topic of, what's up with you tonight, my man? Uh, just wanted to touch base real quick and tell you something that I just saw when I logged into the website because I always get all the streaming platforms uh, ready before I go live. And... 150 listens last week on streaming platforms. Uh, 47 people listened to the podcast on November 2nd. I'm sorry, November 1st, and 55 listened to it on November 2nd. So whatever happened on the 1st and 2nd, we had a huge spike in, uh, in listeners. It's always interesting to me because... Your topics always, we see a big spike on the streaming platforms, and then my topics see a big spike in the, the Facebook um, views. So it's, it's always interesting. You can tell, like, our our fan base where they are. <laughs> yeah, mine are kind of uh, come when they can, and yours are their faithful listeners. Like, right when that show's coming on, they're logged on and ready to roll. And and apparently, looking at myself in the camera, I look like I have fucking herpes. Uh, really, I had a really bad ingrown hair on my mustache, and it looks like I got fucking herpes. <laughs> oh, no good. Well, we're not on that topic. Tonight, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I don't think we want. I don't think anybody wants to listen to a topic on herpes. Uh, All probably. right. So, where are we at today? <laughs> so today, we are going to talk about adoption as our main subject. Included with that will be some things about foster care because they kind of go hand in hand. Um, as always, we have come with some facts and figures and some accurate, non-biased conversation about what we need to talk about. I don't think so, I don't think I don't think there's a such thing as biasness when it comes to adoption and and foster care and stuff. It's interesting because uh, the woman I've been dating for the last uh, over a year. Um, uh, her and her ex, they were really big into foster care. Uh, they had a lot of children. They adopted uh, uh, quite a bit of children. So I learned a lot talking to talking to them, and that I didn't even know. Just as a forty two year old American, I, I learned a lot about the system that I didn't even know. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So we're gonna start out. I'm gonna ask a few questions, so we can get uh, some of those facts and figures out like we want. Mm-hmm. And some good information. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to know, how many kids do you think are up for adoption or in the foster care system um, with the current numbers that we could possibly find? Um, I'm glad you're the stat man because I did a lot of research and I didn't really look at stats. If I had to take a ballpark guess because of how difficult it is to adopt kids, a million um, there are 390,000 okay. in the foster care system or up for adoption as of 2021. Okay. So I'm going to add a number in that uh, from a previous podcast we talked about uh, when we talked about abortion. So added into abortion at 615,000 abortions, that would mean that over 1 million children essentially are unwanted or unable to be cared for by their parents. Um, so a million, you said a million. Um, so unfortunately, the vast majority of that um, did not make it to life. How, wait, real quick, real quick. How many, how many 
what was the abortion rate? Uh, 615,000. So if you do add those in, pretty close. Yep. Uh, we're over a million. Oh, okay. Both. Yeah. Um, and those stats are from 2021 because, in general, when you look up stats like that, you're at least a year or two behind on getting accurate numbers. Um, I don't know how hard it is to wait two years to get a number for two years in the you know past. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, that's reality. Um, my next question, how many successful adoptions do you think there were in 2021? Now, I don't know. I do know I've learned that adoption, the adoption process has gotten easier than it was even a decade ago. Um, but there's still... Depending on the kind of adoption, which we'll go over today, there's still money, and sometimes it's a lot of money. There's waiting periods. There's strict guidelines. Um, all the reasons celebrities go overseas to get to get babies. Um, I, I have no idea a uh, number, though. So, in 2021, there were 54,000 successful adoptions in the United States. Any idea in your stats how many babies go up for adoption a year? Not not the total, but just like in that given year. I'm curious how many are adopted uh, out compared to brought in. I could look that uh, up if well, you don't have that number. The number I have was the 54,000 were adopted. Um, and from what I gathered when I was looking during uh, the last census, well, actually it would be 2010 census. I have 2021 numbers, and that is 114,000 kids were eligible for adoption, and 54,000 foster kids were adopted. Honestly, better than I thought. Barely 50 yeah, percentile, but better than I thought. And what I what I don't get is there were 390,000 of them in foster care. But only thirty percent of them were eligible for adoption, or we'll we'll go over that briefly. Yeah. I, I found something out in my talking to people that have gone through the system why that might be, um, and that's and that's pretty crazy. Actually, I'll just tell it now. It's because when a child hits thirteen years old, they are considered no longer adoptable. They they go to group homes or foster families. They're they're not pushed onto families as much. They don't like. Uh, they consider teens pretty much unadoptable out. So they usually set, spend the rest of their teen life in in homes or jumping from foster parent to foster parent without actually being able to be adopted out. Um, another reason is I found out for that is because um, everybody knows when. Families adopt, they usually want babies or as young as possible. And the system will not put babies with other teenagers. Another reason families don't want teenagers from the system because that pretty much makes them ineligible, ineligible to get babies if they want one. Oh, that's pretty <clears throat> much garbage if you ask me. Yeah, it, it sets them up for failure big time. Especially when you look at the amount of uh, kids that go spend their teen years in the system end up spending their uh a lot of their adult lives in the criminal system yep i've got a little bit about that coming up too mm -hmm. um so now that we're there uh let's talk about 
the races because we did a big race uh, special a couple weeks ago. Are you so, coming with the questions I wasn't even prepared for? Let's go. Let's go. Ah, that's how I like it. So <clears throat> there are three top categories um, of races that have kids up for adoption. Um, and they are white, black, and Hispanic. So what percentage... Lucky guess. Do you think the white kids make up in the foster care system? Thirty, low thirty percentile. Forty-three. Oh wait, whoa, higher than I anticipated. Yep, I've seen it all the way up to like fifty-three. Wow. Um, but this is the one I went with because I found it a couple times. Um, how about black kids? I would say, just because of their cultural background i would say they probably make up for the majority of the leftover children i i'd be surprised if latinos made up uh, a, a a portion that was actually considered decent size at all well then you're going to be really surprised by this so the difference between black and hispanic is 2000 wow so black people make up black kids make up about 22 percent and Hispanic kids make up just under 22%. At the risk of sounding, um, <sighs> you know, politically incorrect, I th- I would have thought with the, the problem with fathers in the, the black community and just from my own experience growing up, um, I, I often saw black families have more children than the other, other cultures. I would have thought there would be more mostly black children in the system uh the problem with that is that black kids uh black families make up the highest number of abortions so unfortunately poor black kids don't make it to that point most of the time um i was surprised by the high number of hispanics yeah that, that really surprised me hispanics have a strong family culture exactly um, and if they're not border jumping and sending their kids away and doing the things that we know that is going on, um, in general, you would not think that a Hispanic family would be like that. Exactly. That's why I thought they'd be the lowest. Right. And 14% is what makes up every other race and background that could be in this country. So white peop- white babies <laughs> are the majority of the in the adoption. But here's the thing is if you look at the proportionate, white people essentially are the only group that's underperforming. We make up like 55 to 60% of the uh, population, um, and that number's quite lower. Now, just, um, just, a, folks- just a theory, but I wonder if it's because – and this is just theory. I'm not, I don't have any statistics about this. But I wonder what the proportion to abortions would be. I wonder if it might be because uh, a white, uh, white family might be more inclined to give birth to a baby and put it up for adoption rather than aborting it prior to birth. I think that's quite a bit. Um, we hear a lot about, uh, you know, there's more services available in certain communities. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Like communities. So there's probably better places for them to go to get the help to do the adoption. Um, as there's more abortion uh, clinics in uh, socioeconomically diverse communities, to be politically correct, um, in the hood. 
whatever. Yeah. Um, that's where you're going to find the abortion clinics. You're not going to find them in the suburbs, generally. Um, so, you know, for me, growing up, I only know one place you can go to even get, you know, referred to where you can get an abortion. I've only seen one building, um, and that just happens to be in West Bend. And I've lived in Ozaki County, Washington County, Sheboygan County, parts of uh, Waukesha County, and Milwaukee County. It's a good point you brought up with um, the resources available because if one family has good insurance where they can, you know, be taken care of through that pregnancy without having to pay an arm and a leg, it's easier for them to have the baby, give it up for adoption, rather than a family that may not have insurance and is going to have to eat the cost if they need any kind of medical care for going through a pregnancy. Uh, true story. Plus, I mean, in suburbs, there's more churches. Yeah. Um, churches are a good place to get help. Um, not that they're not available in the black community. Um, I just think there's more shame possibly in the black community than there is in the white community to ask for handouts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's possible. I don't know. Uh, I'm not part of that community, so I couldn't answer what that deal is. I mean, I know there's churches. Maybe there's not enough people attending those churches in those communities and maybe they, they should change that. Um, so let's see what else do I have? I want to talk about, Oh, Oh, you were talking about inner uh, country adoptions. Yeah, yeah. So the, this was uh, a couple numbers I looked up, and these are the adoptions of kids from overseas that come to America. So two numbers I got. In 2004, I found there was 23,000 of those adoptions of inner country. Intercountry adoptions. So 23,000 23, families went overseas to get babies. And bring them back here. Where here in America, we were in a 50,000 number. Uh, that, yeah. So, so, so almost half of the people that we, we could have, we could have, we could have a 75% adoption rate per year if families weren't going overseas. Uh, could have that year. Yeah, but it was down to 1600 in 2021. Be, probably because so. of COVID restrictions preventing flying across. Probably. Yep. Um uh, when I was looking into it, the numbers uh, kind of do one of these. Sometimes you get these giant spikes, you know, when you see Angelina and Brad go yeah, get a kid. Yeah, it makes a trend. Yep. Everyone goes and gets <clears> a kid. <throat> um when you don't see that on TV, then nobody goes and gets a kid. Yep. <laughs> um I found it interesting you were talking about the kids going into the system, um, you know, for the older kids that can't be adopted. Um, from what I found, kids in foster care are more likely to have been victims of abuse, neglect, um, and have been the biggest targets for sex trafficking. Yep. And unfortunately, a lot of these kids that get placed into foster care get placed with, not a lot, some not going to overstate it. Some get placed in homes that do the same thing to them um, when they're put into the foster system. There's only so far home checks can do. And, and it depends, like you said before, it depends on the, the community too. I did learn. So I always kind of grew up thinking 
uh, kids that are in foster homes, not not adopted, just floating around waiting to be adopted, hopefully someday. I always was under the impression that these families get big fat checks for these kids. And that's not the truth. Um, How much do they got? It, it, it depends on the child. It's almost a case-by-case case basis. Uh, depends on their age. Depends on if they have any kind of disabilities, <laughs> ADD, or further. Uh, they may get a little bit more. But it's still not even enough to cover their basic needs. So a lot of families that take in children, there are they are good families that want to do good things. But we do hear and I think we hear about the evil fucking people more than the good people. There are other families that I live in a community where the system's so overwhelmed because uh the person I talked to uh they had to go through uh, to adopt somebody, they had to go through six months waiting period. The state is inspecting their home with strict guidelines. Like they have to call, they have to contact the state if they even want to give their child a haircut because they're not legal guardians at that point. They're just housing them basically. So it depends on the community. And most of the time, they're not getting enough money to support them. But there are communities that are too overwhelmed where the People are just taking advantage of the system. They'll get 10 kids, put them all in one room or something because the state doesn't have the time or resources to inspect them like they should. In that case, when they're taking in tongues and basically treating them like slaves, then it's profitable for them. Um, But in most cases, it's not even enough money to to support the child properly for good good people. Did you get any numbers? Um, I, I didn't get any numbers. Um, they just said that it costs way more to house them. And the the it was a, dependent on where you lived and their child. Like I said, if, if they needed extra care for having a disability, they would get more money. But it was always much less than it cost to take care of their child properly. Okay. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about... Your girlfriend and her experience, because I'm interested in finding out what she went through, such as uh, where she went. Start well, there. Where did she go? Well, first, there are three three different kinds of adoptions that people probably don't know. There's uh, private adoption, where you know the person, you're going to fulfill a contract with them through their pregnancy you're going to adopt a baby when it's when it's born there's the the baby adoption which is probably what people think about and that is uh, the private adoption where you know the person that's generally very cheap um you have to the state is still involved and you still have to go through court but you just have to pay somebody to inspect your home and you know, be kind of the middle person for everything. It's, mo- it's probably the cheapest way of uh, adopting a baby. And then there's yeah. the baby adoption, which you don't know who you're getting the baby from. Technically, it's all signed up through the state. The state knows somebody that's pregnant, doesn't want the baby, but they're going to go through the pregnancy. That is the most expensive way to, to adopt a baby because you're typically paying for all their medical costs and everything else. A lot of times it's surrogates. You may, you know, donate sperm if you're a couple to, to, to have this, get this person pregnant. It's very expensive. And then there's also the, the chance that the person may pull out, which they can, they can do, 
they can wait till the baby's born and decide they don't want to give it out. And then <clears throat> it could be a real sticky situation because you paid for all these appointments and medical costs up until then. And you'd have to get reimbursing of the person's poor, which a lot of people that give their baby up for adoption are poor. You may not be able to get that money back. They could just file bankruptcy on you. And then there's the right. whole aspect that if you're with a, a man and he donated a sperm or a surrogate egg or something, then you have to go through court and find out who's who has the rights to this child. It can get really, really expensive, really, really sticky, and really, really soul-crushing if people change their mind last minute, which is not uncommon. And then there's probably the the most common way, <clears throat> and that is you taking children that are of any age and you become their foster parents and then you become adopting them. Now, regardless of any way you adopt, if it's a private baby, if it's a baby from the state, or if it's a, a child, you have to go through a six-month waiting period. They inspect your home with a fine-tooth comb, depending on the place you live, um, they they make sure everything's taken care of properly, and then after six months, the state will decide. Okay, we we give you, we we grant you rights to this child. There's a lot of stuff that can go come with that, which we'll get into later, as far as who had if the parents decide they want to come in in the future. So she and her ex, they they did mostly. Uh, foster adopting they had children coming from the state that were of various ages um and then how many did you get total five, five. Uh, and then they ended up officially adopting legally five they had many more than five in and out of their home that uh come and went uh but five one of them was a private adoption of a baby uh, for some, that was the sixth one of somebody that they knew. So that was the cheaper process. They followed them through the pregnancy. Still had to wait the six months. So that's how she got her their six children. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, I know. I know someone who. Hello, darling. Hello, Sarah. Sorry. Um, didn't want their kid, and was asked to sign over the rights to someone that did want the kid. Hmm. And they were going to make the parent that didn't want the kid pay $10,000 and the parent that wanted the kid $10,000. Now, that you can't do. You can't just sell your child. That's, that's oh, it was through a court process. Okay, yeah. The court process, the you, you can you can essentially set up a contract, I guess. It was That's what the state was going to charge both parties to finalize the adoption at that time. Did she already have the baby? Yeah, yeah, this was a full-blown kid that the dad had nothing to do with. Okay, then then that's probably that's probably why. That's that's very realistic. She's kind of in the background saying, "Yeah, that's possible." If if she would have if they would have been involved from the very start before that baby was ever even born before any labor or anything and they they kind of had an agreement, they wouldn't have to go through as much of the red tape with the state. They just have to do the inspections and it'd be right. cheaper. But yeah, that's pretty much if you go to adopt a baby for somebody that you initially didn't know, it's it's very expensive. Uh, yeah, it's not a cheap process. Uh, I've heard a lot about it. But I did find something for us because I asked about a number. Uh huh. So I did a search. And depending on where you are, you can get anywhere from $400 to $1,500 
per foster kid, depending on what state you are in and what county you're in. Now, if you take into consideration that you have to take care of that child's clothing needs, you know, food and everything else. What do you? They have to, if they can't, you can't house boys and girls together. Um, right. If they're taken care of properly, that's that's not, you know, that's higher than I thought, but... Yeah, I mean, I've heard different numbers. Um, I mean, we see TV shows where essentially people are running foster homes exactly. full of kids in different rooms and packing them in because they make bank doing it. But when you break it down, you're not making bank raising a dozen kids. If you're taking care of them properly. Yeah, yeah, if you're I'm taking care of them properly... It's one thing when you raise a group of them and, you know, like you buy the first one, all the nice stuff, and they get to hand that stuff down. But it doesn't always work that way. So, I mean, I, I'm kind of a fan of a fact that we have a foster system in the United States um, for unwanted kids. Um, so somebody takes care of them, but not really a big fan of how all these processes work. Well, this is why people go overseas. You think about it. I'm a family. I'm a middle-aged, you know, husband and wife. We finally have our careers set. We have a home. We want a baby. We find out I'm infertile. She's infertile. You know, for some reason we decide we want to adopt. Now we can go spend Ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars going through the process to get a baby, have the state up our ass inspecting us with a fine tooth comb, and still have to wait six months or longer before it's actually official. And they could pull the plug at any minute, or we can go overseas where every country is different, but most countries have you have to spend a week with the child to bond before we adopt it. I can go overseas, spend one thousand dollars and one week and come home with a baby. Right. Very easily. Yeah. And, and no. granted, I don't want to just hand babies to anybody, but the system is pretty silly when you think we have, you know, a ridiculous amount of kids in, in foster care. Like I said earlier, that once they hit 13, they're considered no longer adoptable and just spend the rest of their teen years in and out of homes or group homes. Um, they're being set up for failure. I'd rather give them to a family that will do their best to take care of them and love them, but it may not be wealthy, than right. let them sit in a group home, like a like a almost like a juvenile home, you know, for for criminals. Right. I mean, they're essentially the same. Yeah. And an orphanage and a juvie home, or halfway house, or any of that, a group home, they're all the same thing. Yep. I mean, some of them have locked doors you can't go in and out of, and others don't, but essentially the same thing. Yeah, the crime oh. rate in the, in the group homes is insane, just like yep. a juvenile detention center. Most of the time they have just a bedroom, or most of, a lot of times there are more than one person in the room, and it's just a locked room, and their stuff goes missing. They're, yeah, they're set up for failure. <clears throat> so <clears throat> what do you think? That a better system would be that if we have to have these foster homes, that there could be 
a list of foster parents, which I know there is in some instances. There's a list of fosters waiting for kids. But instead of making these fosters pay all this money or people looking for adoption, that they are getting paid. That lawyers' fees and all that to take care of all this is taken care of for them. I agree. I 100% agree. It's got to be cheaper than than supporting these kids for the rest of their lives. Even if it's not cheaper, I would rather tax money go towards setting these kids up for a brighter future as adults than than what it is now. How many billions of dollars do you think we send to other countries to take care of their kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're not taking care of our own. We're, we're, We're screwing people that want to take care of them. Yep. 100% 100% agree. And even the money, even not necessarily the money thing, like it's gotten better now, but even just 10 years ago, uh, gay families, single mothers that just, you know, could provide a good home for a child, even a single father, uh, even still today, even though it's better, they're kind of thrown on the back burner a little bit. Well, here's here's the question about that. So, a couple. So, what to you would be an I- ideal situation, uh, an ideal family situation for a young child that has had it rough? What I do mean, you think would be ideal for them? Obviously, the ideal situation would be uh, a mother figure, a father figure, um, you know, a, an established home, you know, with their own space. Um, right. But I would also rather, even if it's a single mom or a single father, I feel like it's still better. Somebody willing to give them love and help them grow up is better than a group home with 20 other kids that are stealing or, you know, doing other things. So do you think that uh, a gay couple that is trying to adopt men or women, you know, gay or lesbian, trying to adopt a child of the same sex they are should be vetted harder or the same as a man and a woman couple? That's a good fucking question. One second. Sarah says she would gladly take in older foster kids if she had the room, but she feels none of her kids ever moving out. They're barely in mom's <laughs> house too much. I agree with you, Sarah. Um, damn, that's, that's a good question. Um, I know you come from a religious background, so you probably have different no, feelings on this. <laughs> You go to church and stuff, don't you? I do. It's not a background, though. I did this on my own as I got older. Do I think they need to be vetted more? Um, based on the current vetting process where you have to wait six months to adopt them, I don't think it needs to be more. I, I don't think I don't think two gay men are more likely to sexually assault a child than if it was a male and female couple. Um you know, even though I don't agree with the whole gay lifestyle, I don't, I, I don't think that they're, they're wired more to sexually assault children than straight people. Is just my feeling. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, I think the current vetting process of having to wait six months minimum is garbage. So I think a good sweep through the house and a quick background check. Within a month, you would know if a couple is good enough to raise a kid. I agree. And then maybe, um, you know, maybe we'll check back in in six months to just make sure everything's okay. But not to be, like, up their ass for no, six straight I, I months. Think, 
a check, you know, after a month, maybe two, three, you know, check-ins. And depending on the kid, obviously a, a, a small baby or child, maybe more check-ins. But if the kid's 10 years old, you know, you can kind of back off and be like, hey, if you have any problems, here's my number, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I mean, I do worry just that there could be a gay couple posing as a gay couple. Um, just to get children in their house. Um, I don't think a gay couple that's actually a gay couple um, is a problem. I, I think it's weird and having a non-traditional family for a child to be raised with, not saying that that child's not going to be loved, cared for, taken care of, off the streets, and can be a, a great home for them. You know, while... <laughs> <clears throat> I, I think we agree with that. It's, you know, like I said, I have nothing against gay couples. I would rather a child being a loving gay or lesbian home <clears throat> rather than running the streets or in a group home. But right. I am I am traditional. I do feel strongly that there is a, a large advantage to having a a strong male role model and a strong female role model, uh, both equally in your home. I, I've seen children grow up and and this doesn't, isn't for everybody, but I've seen children grow up in one home or the other. And you know, the, the child that grew up in an all women home are, they kind of lack the masculinity skills, you know, working on cars, stuff your dad teaches you um, and vice versa. You know, I've seen, I've seen kids grow up, with their fathers and they kind of lack the, the empathy and the little bit of emotion or they're more rugged and hard. Um, so it goes both ways. So what do you think about taking two months off of work when you're a foster parent to acclimate the child to your home? I'm paternity leave. What's that dude? Um, she just told me that that's actually covered under, uh, insurance as FMLA. I mean, I'm okay with that. I think, especially depending on the age of the child, I think that could be detrimental, especially a lot of kids in foster home are coming from, you know, really messed up backgrounds Their their parents may be drug addicts, you know, they well, may What have... about a baby? Let's go with a baby. Well, then just like, just like having a baby. I'm okay with that bonding experience. I mean, if it's covered under insurance, I don't. I don't have a problem with staying home to. Damn it. You're taking <laughs> away my dig at a Democrat, Forrest. <laughs> I told you I was going to try to stick one in like our secretary of uh, transportation that took two months off paternity leave and nobody knew he was gone. <laughs> yeah, I, husband, I think well, I think men should be allowed him. to have paternity team. I, I know I'm I'm see I'm hearing it's becoming more and more common, but it's still not. I think men should be allowed to when they have a new baby to take a maybe not two months, but take some time off work to to be around. I think baby. you did it for the right reasons, though. Yeah. So you went straight with the bonding. Yeah. Okay. Whereas, like a woman needs the time to heal. Yeah. Oh, that's um, true. Not just bonding, but women needs healing time. That's Men true. really don't need that. That's true. That's what I think. That's that's why I kind of said it should be not. It doesn't need to be two months. But I'm okay with you know a, a man taking a few weeks off work. You know, two three weeks off work to kind of get acclimated to having a new baby. Yeah, I, I like the bonding thing you said, so I can agree with that. You save Pete, <laughs> boot edge edge, whatever the his name is. Um, Dude, what did see. you say? Oh, I don't know how I don't know how to say his name either. Buddha, it's Buddha Buddha G, Buddha 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 Buddha. 
Yeah. Um, you had some questions you wanted to talk about, so uh, why don't you shoot a few questions for our discussion here? Well, let me see what I got. So um, an interesting thing is parents' um, rights. Oh, let me get to this. Uh, a lot of people think about orphanages. Orphanages don't exist in America. They exist in other countries. That's basically a group home for babies. Babies are the hot commodity in, in adoption. Uh, so there's really not big homes for babies. They're usually, they're usually adopted out well before children. Like I said earlier, kids, once they hit 13, are considered no longer adoptable, which, which is crazy to think that when you hit 13 years old, you're just... Well, good luck. And then when you turn 18, some states have programs where they'll kind of help you transition. They, they may help you find a job. But when you turn 18, they literally say, good luck. Like, there's no more in a traditional family. You have support when you turn 18 from your family. You know, they'll let you transition. You know, you lose your job at 19. Things, things are harder than you expected. You come back home. When you're in group homes, a lot of times you're good luck. Um, so here's the question with that, though. When you're about to turn 18, I mean, you know for a couple of years you're going to be 18, don't you? Well, a lot of times, a lot of times, how many kids do you know are done with school by 18? Even done with high school by 18. It's well, hard. I would, think, I would think they'd make an exception if you're in school because you're still considered a kid while you're in school. The state, the state doesn't care once you turn 18. Like I said, there are some, some states that have transition programs, but the state doesn't care. If you're in an established foster home, like a parenting home, they have the option to, to keep you in. Um, okay. They won't get, unless, you. they may still get money if you have handicap, but they won't get the normal funding that they would have got. So a lot okay. of times it's, it's up to the foster parent and the state just says good luck. Yeah, I wouldn't go for that. I would uh, think that'd be a change we need to make. Mm -hmm. um, that at a minimum, we're taking care of these kids until they're out of high school i don't care if it's 18 or 19 i mean there could be an age limit um but we need to make sure that these kids can establish themselves and you can't do that while you're in high school yep sorry you just can't yep. you've got to if you're going to go to college that's a good way for these kids to get there you know finish and head right off to college yep or a job transition them into a job where they're working right away they should be taken care of until they're on their feet when when you have a child that's on disability or their parent has uh, died when so my dad took his own life when I was you know one year old my mom got social security for me as I was growing up because my dad was deceased and she never remarried until I was long an adult um, when I turned 18 that ceased unless I continued education she would have right. kept she would have kept getting money for me as long as I was in school I think until 25 I would be mm -hmm. perfectly fine with a system just like that for foster kids if you're if you're not done with high school and or you want to immediately go to college we will keep helping you transition um, until you're ready to be an adult so we can give you the best chance to be a good member of society. Well, these would be the kids that I wouldn't mind providing an education to. Yeah. You know, like, there's been a lot of talk about everyone getting their college debt paid off, 
Um, there's grants out there for a lot of people. These kids, there's not a lot of them in reality. I mean, yep. looking at 300-some thousand of them that we could provide all that for. And it wouldn't flood the system. I mean, you think about how many colleges are out there. You're, you're going to send five kids to each school, yep. essentially, um, that could be contributing members of society that we could take care of to get to that point. Because obviously they're going to have room and board at college. Because we have of- we have a huge crime rate with the the teenage the teenagers in in group homes right now, and I can I can understand their mentality. They they're they're sixteen years old. In two years, I'm being kicked out of this group home. I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do. I have no money. I guess. I have somebody that's offering to hook me up with some stuff to sell. I'm going to start hustling on the streaks. I'm starting my road down the wrong path already. Where if I knew, if I focused hard in school, I can get a college education and I won't have to worry about anything until I'm done with school, that would be a huge load off. Huge load off. Yeah, I mean, I I don't agree on government handouts. Um, I just don't. Um, I think assistance is good for some people. You know, those that can't do it on their own need help. Those that are perfectly capable should not be getting assistance if they are refusing to do those things. Yep. But children are a different story. Obviously, you you know the podcast I did is all about children. Um, or the one we did, uh, my topic was all about the children. Child children should never have to suffer. They just especially shouldn't. when they're coming from you know they they've lost their entire family. They don't have their parents. You know the, whatever background they came from that put them in in that position. Like they've already been set up with a lot of forces against them in life. Yeah, I mean, and that's not just a parent that didn't take them in. It's an aunt, an uncle, an older brother, a grandparent, a, you know, in law. Yep. Nobody in the extended family took the kid either. Yep. They, they're literally left with nothing as a child. Um, that kid needs to get taken care of, all of them. Fully we should agree. be focusing on that. Now, they, these kids could sign up for the military. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we can That's give them incentive. You know, we, we can make it clear. You know, as soon as they start high school and every time they have like, you know, a visitation with the system, you know, as long as you're maintaining this, you know, this grade point average, it doesn't even have to be something amazing. Just, you know, you know, a solid BC or whatever. Yeah, (laughs) as long as you maintain, you know, a passable grade, uh, you know, grade average and you apply for colleges, you know, you don't have to worry about anything right away. Yeah, serve. Um, that I would be sending recruiters to these places. Yeah. So the the next the next topic. Okay. So when you, a lot of times kids that are already in the system, they have the the state have has severed all ties with their family for whatever reason. They've been, already been taken away from them. The parents have no rights. When you do private um, uh, adoptions. It's a case-by-case basis. The, it could be a closed case where the parent never wants the kids to ever know anything about them. It could be if the kid ever wants to. Or it could be I want to always you know, be a part of this kid's life 
maybe you know it's just maybe a friend of the family or something but i always want to know what's going on with the kid um <clears throat> the interesting thing is with dna testing that has become all the rage over the last decade you can have a family that has a closed case adoption and wants that kid to know nothing about them ever for whatever reason and that kid can turn 18, go get their DNA tested, and there's a very good chance they will immediately be notified by that DNA company who their parents are or who somebody in their family is. It could be an, an aunt and uncle, biological brother, sister, that will put them on the trail. Um, a lot of people think good things about these DNA systems. 23andMe sold, I think it was 100 million records a couple weeks ago. Now, okay. so I want to talk about DNA companies, 23andMe, the, I think there's, there's three big ones now, and how dangerous they are for people that don't think about how dangerous they are. So you could pay 100 bucks, have your DNA tested, and they'll tell you your lineage, anybody in their system that they know that is related to you for whatever reason. Um, people think, oh, this is amazing, $100. Now, the thing that sucks is they're selling that shit for $100 because there's no way for you to ever delete that data. If you read the fine print, when you sign up for these services, it's in their system forever. There's no deleting your DNA. That's their whole purpose is collecting all this information, and their whole purpose is to sell this information. The thing that sucks is if my brother went and got a DNA test, um... Like even Pete, who's still alive, if if he went and got a DNA test, I would never even have to have one, and I would be linked to him because of the DNA that he provided and maybe another DNA from another family member. I would automatically be linked. The scary part is, is we can fast forward 20 years. Who do you think is going to buy? If you had to guess who the number one people that would buy all this DNA information would be, who would, what, what, organization would you think it would be well it's going to be the government the government or insurance companies why insurance companies because the insurance company could take that dna and have information on people before they ever sign up so i can go in 20 years and try signing up for an a, a company and now this insurance company can look at all my dna records for my family my ancestors and be like you're very prone to heart attacks. You're very prone to this. We're not going to accept you. Pre-existing conditions, even though you don't have them yet. You right. are considered a risk to us. This can be a real, real slippery slope for people. How many, I, know, I know I've heard so many stories of people getting convicted of crimes because their uncle... Uh, did a DNA test and now their DNA got linked from some crime they did 30 years ago. Granted, most of these pieces of shit, you know, should have been convicted. <laughs> but Let's see what's the problem. <laughs> that's just an example. And you have anything to hide for us? That's just, what I'm trying just, to find out. Just the way the police can link you to stuff, insurance companies can link you to stuff. Because now, if you want your DNA tested, you should go to a hospital pay the extra money it may be a few thousand dollars have an actual proper lab do it works private information that is not sold to any entity that wants to give them a few bucks per per dna well what if i want to find out where i'm from 
You have to take the risk. I know where I'm from, but what if I want to see, you know, I want to find out how much American Indian is in me. You can can do that. You can do that through private labs where all your information is private. Where 23andMe is a $100 kit at Walmart, but they make money off selling that information, you can go to a hospital and get all the same DNA records you want. It may be... A thousand or two thousand dollars, but it's it, it keeps you safe. It keeps anybody you know safe. It can't be handed over to the government. It can't be sold to insurance companies. It all depends. A lot of people and like, so a lot of the older people, you know, our moms and stuff, they they see this and they're like, "Oh, this is amazing." Where they're actually, they're unknowingly making the future lives of their kids more difficult by making this information accessible to any company that wants to buy it. And they don't know about that. You know, if you have a a child out of wedlock, you have to give DNA to the state. So anyone that's ever committed a felony gets their DNA taken. Anyone that has to go to court. And that's where they, that's where they link a lot of people. They'll have their DNA and file for a crime. If you do, if, well, if you have a baby and the, the mother is on state assistance of any way, shape or form, they do uh, make you take a DNA test. My Um, DNA is already in the state system. They claim to destroy it. But we know better than that. They do not destroy your DNA once they get so, it. So I guess you have to weigh in the the risk factor. Even that, if if you had a child out of wetlock, they're not comparing that DNA to a million other people, a billion no, other people. It's not they're, in that data they're comparing case. it only to the child who who the they're mother. trying to and yeah. the mother. Um, Felony DNA, they'll keep in the police database for comparison for any future crimes or connections. But that, while it's in the government's hands, it will never be sold to it will never be sold to a, a private entity like an insurance company. Well, That's my biggest fear: is like insurance companies getting their hands on it, advertisers sending fucking me emails telling me, "Oh, you're." Your your DNA shows you have a history of being overweight or fucking bald. Like, <laughs> like we're Dude, gonna like, start sending we're gonna start though. sending you emails right. at ten years old because we're predicting this is what you're gonna look like in ten years. Yeah. Like, it, it's just some crazy things they could do with that kind of information. That's like you think it's dangerous to give somebody your browser history. Like, that's the browser history of your ancestors and family. Uh, yeah. I mean, my, my thought on that is a little different. I mean, I I definitely get the bad aspects. But I would think, let's say I was adopted as a baby. I find out I'm adopted as a baby. I would want to know who my parents were. Now, the question and is, is if... the only way. If you, if you were told that your parents did a closed case adoption, that... They wanted nothing to ever do with you. They didn't want you to ever know about them. Um, the only reason you weren't aborted is because they they were told they can give you up for adoption without you ever knowing. Would you really want to know? I know curiosity can be a bitch, but do you think you'd still want to know? I would, and nothing more. I just want to know who they are and where they're from. Yeah. So, you know, in the instance where, you know, you're worried about the DNA test for insurance purposes, you know, 
uh, in your family history. I want to know if my parents are alcoholics. I want to know if they're drug addicts. I want to know if they're half retarded. I want to know if they're schizophrenic. I want to know all these things that I'm not going to be able to tell my doctor. Like, I don't know if there's heart attacks in my family. I was adopted. How am I going to know any of this information? Um, you know, the things you have to tell the doctor, certain things you have to be prepared for. If there's histories of anything in your family. I mean, those are good points to bring up. Uh, uh, opposite end of that, trying to think unbiasedly, as weird of a question as is, how do you, uh, how do you think you would feel if you gave a child up for adoption, you, just, you were in no position to take care of it, and you didn't want that child to ever know who you were, and then one day at 50, 60 years old, you got a phone call, how do you think you would feel... I mean, I. I mean, things could change parents, in that time from you from the time you gave up for adoption. Right, I could be a different person, and I could be thinking about that kid, like I gave up all those years ago. Like, oh man, if only I had waited six more months, and I got this killer job and met this, you know, got married and everything was perfect. Six months after that kid is gone, now I will never see that kid. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, 20 years later, like all of a sudden, knock, 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 I'm your kid. I would be shocked, but I think I would I, I would welcome it. Because um, who knows, that kid might just want to come over, flip me off, and leave. Yeah, yeah. Or they might want to be part of my life. Um, and at then, it might be a blessing in disguise. I don't know. You really don't know. You could run into a crackhead as a parent. If you went searching for them. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a use at your own risk. Like, there should not be a full closed case adoption from the child aspect. You know, if you're adopted as a baby, you find out you're adopted. You should have the right to find out who your parents were. Yeah. There should be a history for you to look at if they're not going to let you actually meet them. Um, there has to be information for you. I'm sorry. I... I hope that doesn't discourage people from doing adoption over abortion. But you've got to know certain things. I have a question. Um, uh, what if you were your college kid? Or no, you're, let's say at right now you're like, oh, I need extra money. Um, Christmas is coming up. I'm going to go donate some sperm. <laughs> um do you want 10 phone calls in 20 years uh from people that found you on 23andme uh well i mean obviously if i'm donating sperm i know what's gonna happen do they do That's they like they 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 force you to to be allowed for kids to contact you I didn't. I don't know. I've never obviously. Well, I don't know. I haven't donated it yet either. <laughs> not, but no, not, not in a few years. On the corner. Um, I mean, obviously, if you donate sperm, it's going to be used to make babies. Yeah. Um, if you're chosen, because I think there's a vetting process. And that too, they just. I think there's a Vince Vaughn anybody. movie called uh, "Delivery Man" where he donates yes. sperm like crazy, and then fifty kegs show up on his door one day. 
And that actually happened in a Law and Order show I was watching too, <laughs> where he was like a father to fifty kids, but he did it on purpose. He was a doctor and he used his own sperm to make fifty kids. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're donating sperm, it, it's kind of like when you go and have sex without a rubber. Yeah, you're taking it, it's gonna give a kid somehow. Okay. Um, granted, when you're donating sperm, you're not expecting to ever see that kid, but at the same time, you kind of, you know, you did the little tug and pull. You know what it's for. I mean, come on, expect it or don't expect it. I mean, again, it could be a, a welcome surprise sometime down the road. What if your kid pops up and says, hey, I'm Mark Zuckerberg. Thanks, Dad. And I'm like, thanks, son. You're the best. I, I was very... I was very frustrated. I was thinking about it this week when I was going over the information for adoption and the Biden administration uh, did an executive order for AI. Now, granted, artificial intelligence has advanced leaps and bounds in the last few years. I, I use it pretty regularly uh, for information and stuff. It, it's pretty, It's pretty crazy how much it's advanced. But for them to... For the government to stick their nose in that and just to not even have any real regulations as far as all this DNA collecting is is crazy to me. Uh, good evening, Candace. Hi, Candy. Um, I, I think that most of the time our government looks in the wrong direction for things. Yeah. Um, AI, like you said, could be a useful tool. It could be used for some very bad things. Yeah. The DNA also, I mean. Useful tool, but could be bad for th or bad things. What happens if you go and, you know, a hundred different people end up with the same father, okay? Well, how did that happen? Someone could be misusing sperms or your DNA, okay? Um, they could find that out. And, and let's, let's, let's not even forget. And not regulate it. Yeah, and let's not even forget the, as rare as it is, let's not even forget the very rare ramifications of um, a mix-up or, you know, a false positive or something, saying somebody's or a some parent or, yeah. Combine these two, these two instances, you've got AI that essentially at some point in time will be able to do anything. Yeah. And now they can go on and say, Forrest is an asshole. Let me clone his DNA and sprinkle it on a crackhead I shoot down the road. Can you imagine that? Combining an artificial <clears throat> intelligence like Ch chat GPT, buying all the data from 23andMe or something, and using that to, who's my dad? You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> right. I mean, they could essentially go in. And say a lab collects a DNA sample off a murder victim or a rape victim. AI could go in and switch that. Yep. Just hop right into the system, say, no, it wasn't Bob, it was John. Um, like, uh, no, John was in Tokyo that day. Oh, well, then it was, uh, it was Billy Bob. Uh, and they could just switch it around and make it who they want. And all these systems are tied to machines, <laughs> which are susceptible to hacking and mistakes. It's and let openly let AI in. I mean, we all now are open to AI. Yep. 
It's on all of our computers, on all of our devices. It is now linked in. Windows just uh, last month installed it as part of uh, Microsoft just installed it last month as part of Windows. It's, it's built into Windows 11 now. Yep, it's on my Bing search bar. Yep. It's on Google search bar. <coughs> and it's crazy. I, I do a lot of programming. Duck, duck, go. I'll, <laughs> I'll do a lot of programming, uh, not to get off topic, but it's crazy how I'll, I do a lot of programming and I'll have a question. I'll be like, write this code for me in such and such language to do this. And it it tells me it. And with minimal fixing, it, it works. It's, it's crazy how smart this stuff is. We'll have to do an episode on artificial intelligence someday. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I think... Uh, uh, you know, not not much tips or advice for people. Just just information, discussing what we learn and what we know about adoption and DNA. So, let's well, take we, care of kids. Yeah, yeah. That's the message. Take care of them. Okay. Wrap it up if you're not ready. Be on birth control. That's and the then biggest thing. Your, if you don't your, want your a child, government. if you don't want a child. You don't have to have an abortion. You don't have to have adoption. If you don't want a child, just take fucking precautions. It's not that hard. You don't have to have sex either. Well, that's that's not I something you can lie. tell I'm society. Lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying. <laughs> All right, so what's next week? What we got going on next week? You remember? Oh, uh, crap. I know something. Is that uh, where the feminists at? No, no, that's coming up soon. Next week is masculinity. Is it toxic? Oh, that's right. We're talking about men. Then we're talking about yeah, women. Yeah. Uh, that will that be, a, be a special Monday night yep. episode for everybody. Justin will be in Mexico this coming week, so we will be doing the live Facebook feed uh, Monday the 13th at 7 p.m. And I apologize for anybody that might be listening to a streaming or something. If you're in one of the parks of the world or country that don't do daylight savings time here in wisconsin we rolled back so we're probably an hour offset to some people and they're probably wondering why that's why so i think yeah, that wraps up today hopefully we got some international listeners going on yeah you know, i guess all our streaming services because we are on every platform out there so if you miss a live one spotify it youtube it Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Facebook. We do live live shows every week. Um, and if you ever wonder, com. Yep, unstableduo.com. You can always find all of our links. With that said, I uh, hope you have a good trip in Mexico. Don't get kidnapped. Uh, maybe bring home a lot of drugs. Hook up with some cartel. Tequila. I'm bringing back tequila. <laughs> That's it. All right. Have a good weekend, and we'll see everybody Monday. All right. Take it easy.